Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, Talk and Power podcast, episode 61. We are on 88.5 FM, where the valley comes alive. I am Nick DeCembre, and here with co-host Todd Brinkworth. Todd, how are you? Not too bad. How about yourself, Nick? I am very well. I am very well. You've been very busy, you tell me. We'll get stuck into what you've been doing a little bit later on in the show. You can update us with all oh, yeah. things. Uh, not that interesting, but yeah, why no, not? That was interesting. <laughs> interesting to me. Hey, um... First things first, we got a special guest coming in tonight. He's just waiting outside there. So David Smith from Targa West, he'll be on shortly. Um, yeah. Looking forward to catching up with him. Yeah, Mr. Smith, I've known him for a great many years, and it's uh, well a privilege to have him on. Yeah, no, we're looking forward <laughs> to it. So he'll be talking all things, um, all things Targa West. So and Targa in general. Yeah, Targa, Targa. It's not the, just a one-trick pony. It's, no, it's got many tricks. Yeah, it's the rolling roadshow. We'll call it. Yeah. Hey, one thing we probably need to acknowledge, not probably, we should be acknowledging uh, death of Nicky Lauda um, just recently. We're very sad that tributes flowing in all, all around the world. Uh, Andreas Nikolos Lauda, or Nicky Lauda, was born on 22nd of February 1949 in Vienna, Austria. He went on to win three world championships, two in a Ferrari and one in a McLaren. Uh, and uh, he was a non-executive chairman at, at, at the Mercedes ca- uh, uh, when he passed away. Uh, probably better known... No, sorry, I wouldn't say better known. I mean, his Formula One um, career was what he was well known for. But also, I mean, it goes without saying, he was also a very successful businessman and pilot as well and set up a number of airlines over the years. Yeah. In the 60s... Um, I mean, sorry, yeah, he was flying well into his 60s. Um, and I didn't, this was one thing I didn't realise. He also drove for March, BRM, um, and Brabham as well. So there was some. I must admit, I knew one or two of those. I didn't know the BRM. That was a bit of a mm. throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, obviously quite quite skilled in his sport. I think, you know, it, most people would have seen the movie Rush. I don't think there's anyone that hasn't seen that yeah. movie now with um, the Australian actor in it as well. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth, isn't That's it? That's right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Um, and Nicky Lauda. It's the story of James Hunt and Nicky Lauda. Probably... You know, it's what Nicky Lauda was probably remembered for was his accident at the German Grand Prix, the uh, Nürburgring, um, where he had a pretty bad accident. And um, not only was he burnt, I think a lot of the damage came from the the gases that he inhaled and the damage yeah. that he did to his lungs was quite significant. And it wasn't so much the accident, it was a comeback from that accident that was, you know, quite telling... Uh, you know, 40 days later, he was racing again and, you know, contesting a cha- contesting a championship in the Ferrari. So, you know, look, I mean, we all have great memories of Nicky Lauda and it's really sad that he's gone. And uh, fitting tribute to his, um, his passing was Lewis Hamilton. Really showed a masterclass uh, at the Monaco Grand Prix. Yes. One thing that has been sort of swept under the carpet a little bit, Lewis finished that race 
they pitted him quite early in the race and uh, put him on mediums. Now, the tyre supplier said that 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 tyre's got probably 53 laps in it. He did 67. (laughs) Amazing. It was absolutely amazing to see uh, Lewis. Verstappen was challenging quite hard. Now, Verstappen wasn't in a position to win the race. He actually was given a five-second penalty. Um, for his unsafe departure from pit lane where he uh, contacted Valtteri Bottas. But all that aside, the racer in us tells us we want to race, don't we? Yeah. And, and uh, Verstappen really took it up to him, actually made contact with Lewis on the second or third last lap. But Lewis, I mean, those tyres were gone. I mean, gone. They did 15 more laps than what the, what the tyre <laughs> I guys... I must admit, I went admit this very often but Lewis did impress me again like normally he'd be whinging about the car or the tyres had gone off or find a reason he just kept going and I was like hang on a minute this, you know like that's that's impressive he, it's do, do you think his radio commentary last night was a little bit less I honestly felt that he didn't he didn't say a hell of a lot in the, in the car you know 15 laps we get guys that, that they go one lap after what they anticipate, and psychologically they're out of they're out of it. Yeah, well, I was absolutely I don't know. amazed. It's, again, I'm almost shocked. I hate to say, hate to admit it, that uh, yeah, he just got out there and did it, and he was a lot quieter. And yeah, certainly a lot quieter. You don't want someone to pass away every week for him to put on no, a no, no, but good I show. Think, yeah, but, but he he yeah. he was a masterclass <laughs> last night. Sorry, the, the the people that who are not a masterclass, the opposite of masterclass, <laughs> yes. the the dunces in the corner, and I'm a Ferrari fan, but they, they, this was this was diabolical. Oh. This is this is now. If people didn't lose their job today at Ferrari, there's something wrong. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't watch all the F1 because Ferrari made me want to cry. I I was throwing stuff at the TV and I thought, no, this. What are you doing? Like, we're referring we're referring to we're referring to the Saturday qualifying. How on earth so Charles Leclerc, what's happened there is um Charles has missed the weighing bridge. His number was up on the board to get weighed. Um the guys pushed him back. Still adequate time. I think there was three minutes thirty or three minutes fifty left in Q one. Something like that anyway. Um the Ferrari guys, I think they were sitting, Leclerc was sitting in 14th at that stage. 14th, maybe 15th. The Ferrari guys felt that he was in a comfortable position enough for him to stay there and, and not go back out and, and better that time. Now, as we know, from 20 downwards gets eliminated in Q1. Nevertel's nudged the wall, so he's also come in after Leclerc, changed tyres and gone back out again. Ironically, it was actually Vettel was the one that actually kicked him out. But I cannot, for the life of me, understand what logic there was into in allowing or not sending Leclerc back out again. Yeah, um. it it was absolutely mind-boggling. And I honestly, it's, it's uh, look. I don't want to quote the man, but Matteo Benotto. This is what he said. Um, it was a wrong evaluation of what we called the cutoff time. I don't know. Did they not have a clock there? I don't know. The, the, the Foxtel footage has a little clock on the top that says how much time left in qualifying. Yeah, you think of all those TV screens they have for their displays. Yeah, one, stopwatch. One might have a clock on it. 
No, all jokes aside, this is this was this was pitiful from the. And isn't one of the major sponsors of F one a watchmaker? But anyway, let's you know. <laughs> yeah, I call it out as it is. I, yeah. I, I, look, I don't like bagging people or. Call, but this was really amateurish. There's there's guys that race around in demolition derby yeah. that have more professionalism than what these guys do. Shout out to all the demo derby drivers yeah. out there. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I mean, no, I, no, I, no. I can't understand how this happened. I really can't. The other thing that was interesting about the race, I don't know if you saw that uh, um, Sergio Perez almost killed two track marshals. They were... So during the during um, Leclerc's dash to the front, or trying to get to the front, he, uh, as you know, damaged the tyre. That tyre completely tore itself to pieces and uh, was all over the track. The marshals were cleaning that up. I'm not sure how that situ- they could get themselves into that situation. Luckily, it was very close. I've seen the in-car footage from Sergio's car, and let me tell you, there was there was absolutely nothing in it. And and luckily, Sergio was able to. He actually drove in between the two of them. Um, they shouldn't have been there. They should have not. I think there's. Yeah. They weren't supposed to be there anyway. So. Wasn't there a near miss a couple of years ago at Monaco? Again? Oh, no, I think that was Baku, I think. Oh, okay, yeah. sorry. Yeah. I couldn't remember. There was one I remember a similar situation, but yeah. 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 Anyway, look, I mean, I, uh, it's just... Uh, <laughs> good driving from Checker. That's all yeah. I can say. He's a talented driver. It'd be great to see him in, in something that's a, a little bit faster, unfortunately. I, you know, the, the racing points been okay, but, you know, I think he needs... If he could get himself into something a little bit better he had that drive at mclaren for a year but um yeah probably his biggest mistake was signing a one-year contract there the other thing was daniel ricardo um look probably not a bad finish for him but he was disappointed with the strategy uh he probably could have done a little bit better um i, I think renault in fairness I'm, it sounds like i'm a very big advocate for renault because <laughs> yeah. i've been defending them all year but I think in fairness to them, they were kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. They had to pit him on um, when they did, but in retrospect, they probably would have been better keeping him out there. I'm really not sure what way that that one could have panned out for him, but I don't know. He was a little bit disgruntled, uh, Daniel, but I yeah. think they're, they're getting there, but they're getting there very slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was Ferrari also announced that they they think they've picked up a bit of speed. It was very hard to tell at this race any gains of any cars because it's such a, a difficult yeah, rate, a track to, circuit, to, to yeah. measure. But it also Ferrari spoke during the week and said that their front wing, they found an issue with the front wing and they believe that they're going to pick up a bit of speed in the coming races. I don't know, we haven't quite seen that yet, but I wouldn't want to use this race as a... As a marker, let's put it that way. No. As in, in, in terms of, of how they're progressing. All right, well, on that note, we'll take a short break. We're here on 88.5 FM, where the valley comes alive. We'll be back right after this with David Smith from Targa West. All right, welcome back to the Talking Power podcast. We're on 88.5 FM where the valley comes alive and on iTunes, Stitcher, 
Podbean, Spotify, and on www.talkingpower.com.au. We have a very special guest in the studio with us uh, today, David Smith for Targa West. Thanks for joining us, David. No worries. Good to be here, Nick. Hey, David, tell us, just before we get into the the the, um, the interview, just can you cover off, I know there was an incident at Target Southwest. Can you give us an update on the two competitors and how they're travelling? Yeah, of course. Um, actually, it's good. Both Darren and Evan are now out of hospital, inspected to, to make a full recovery, which is good. Um, Daz has got a couple of broken bones, but I'm sure they'll mend over time. Not so sure about the poor Tirana, though. Mind yep. you, it's only a bunky holding, so no, no <laughs> great loss. Um, in all seriousness, though, when the rally safe system flashes red and sounds an alarm in headquarters, I've got to tell you, it wakes everyone up. Um, but the, the fact that the lads are currently well on the way to recovery is a testament to, to the safety gear and, and obviously also the procedures and, of course, the medical crew and rescue crews at the event. It was um, challenging times being the first, well, second corner of the first stage, so yeah, kept yeah. us awake. Yeah, as a, as a spectator down there, I mean, you guys were on it within minutes seconds oh, i dare yeah. say which is good to see the, so. the rally safe the rally safe systems in the cars these days like you literally know immediately and if not immediately then within 30 seconds that something serious has happened the next car on the scene you know they hit the manual red which alerts us to the fact that hey something has happened here pretty big um and then the recovery teams were out there you know, within minutes as you know yeah just to cover off just quickly the rally safe system while we're talking safety can you just elaborate a little bit on that then yeah sure um rally safe is is a actually it's an australian innovation it's now being used um, worldwide in the world rally championship we've been using it for a number of years on gravel and, and also tarmac it's a device that that gets mounted in each car um, over the years it's progressed from being just um, satellite signals to actually being Wi-Fi and now it's actually GSM as well um, in a number of units so it tracks the location of the vehicle how fast they're going tracks a lot of data very I think it's actually 10 times a second or something stupid like that um, <clears throat> and it also actually tells us when a car has slowed down below 30 kilometers an hour with a yellow hazard and if it's actually come to a sudden stop and exceeds a, a threshold of so many Gs, it actually goes automatic red. Um, it's quite a, an innovative unit in that the actual crew themselves can actually push buttons on it and, and say, we need medical help, we need fire. We can send it text messages, which they can reply yes, no to, um, and it tracks it all effectively live. So in headquarters, we can actually zoom in on a particular car, see where they are on the course, how fast they're going, um, and, and then send them messages if we need to. Okay. Improve safety no end. Yep. 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 No, that's good to know. Look, before we get stuck right into Targa West in the upcoming, well, the upcoming Targa West, tell us a bit about yourself, David, <laughs> and, and how you got involved in t not only just into Targa West, but in, in any more sort of motorsport background you have. No, look, the older I get, the faster I was, like normal. <laughs> um, I first got involved in rallying Back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, went to a, a WA car club um, rally school. I had a, in fact, you'd know this, I had a, a wannabe rally car. I had a Ford Laser TX3 four-wheel drive at the time, um, but didn't really have the budget to actually run full-time you know, as rally cars. So I did entry-level motor carners and, and bits and pieces like that and helped out with um, you know, rally officials, broke a number of gearboxes, um, actually won a couple of state titles in, in the motor Championship 
Um, I think that's one of the reasons why they actually put four-wheel drives in a separate class because I kept beating the two-wheel drives on gravel. <laughs> um, I'd say it was probably equipment more than skill, just quietly. Um, then probably five or six years ago, um, Bob Schrader, one of the founders of Targa West, decided it was time for him to, to wind down a bit and head into retirement. Ross asked me if I'd like to be involved a bit more with Targa West on a full-time basis, um, which I jumped at. I reckon Bob's probably busier now than he ever has been in his retirement. <laughs> um, but I'd known Ross for heaps of years, like, oh, too many years, um, through the WA Car Club and, and the Gravel Rally Championship, including you know, running the Forest Rally with Ross, um, which is a round of the WA, or WA's round of the Australian Rally Championship, um, and obviously through Targa West as well. And basically the opportunity to work from home, um, was a bit too much to pass up on, mm, yeah, particularly in an, in an area that you enjoy. But oh yeah, I've got another couple of motorsport records too. I won two Motorcana State Champion Bucket Bashers Award, which <laughs> is apparently can. the award for hitting the most flags, which apparently you're not supposed to hit. <laughs> um, but I prefer to think of those as trophies recognising my exuberant driving style and the flags were just unfortunate collateral damage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fair to me. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, let's let's just talk tar- all things Targa West now. It started back in 05, 2005. It seems yep. it seems like to me it just seems like the other day, but it's um, clearly it's not. But so, can you tell us how it all got started way back then? Look, to be honest, Ross is probably the, the best person to quiz on that. But um, Bob Schrader, who had a history of organising events and trade shows, sure and niche. Um, in WA for, for a well-run sort of professional tarmac rally. Um, at the time, there were a number of, of navigational events, you know, events run on open roads, odd closed speed test, auto carna, motor carna, uh, but with no real closed road tarmac rallies. So there was stuff like, you know, the Full Monty, the Italian job, you know, the classic rallies of the time. Um, Ross had then also been running, obviously, fairly successful gravel rallies and was, I guess, arguably one of Australia's most experienced clerks, of course. Um, so someone put him in contact with Bob, and between Bob's marketing and promotion skill set and then Ross's rally organising skill set, I guess it was a perfect combination. Mm-hmm. And here we are 15 years later. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Look, I mean, logistically, Targa West, it obviously, it's a massive exercise for you guys. At the recent, just using the, the recent Targa Southwest as a as an example, 22 closed roads. Yep. 130 kilometres of road racing. Yep. So, just to elaborate, what, what sort of coverage are we looking at for this year's Targa West event? Um, so, you know, suburbs, towns, and, and what other locations? I guess this year, this year's going to be a bit interesting because we're actually sort of expanding on things a little bit um so this year we're actually visiting six cities and shires um and then whiteman park we've got 260 kilometers on 35 stages and the stages range from 1.6 k through to 20 kilometers in length we in total cover over a thousand kilometers over the four days we try and organize well, well over 500 officials, roughly 550 officials, and then obviously a, a number of medical teams, rescue teams, fire crews, etc. Um, so logistically, pretty big, pretty yeah. big. Yeah, yeah, no, certainly. So, can you give us some ideas of this year, like some good spectating areas, and you know, um, just 
I know also on the website you've got uh, spectator safety guidelines as well. So, yeah, can you just elaborate a bit on that? Yeah. Um, for our 15th year, we wanted to do something a bit different. Um, so we bought back an old favourite. We've got um, stages in Mouchet. Um and I guess as a bit of an exclusive for you, we haven't actually told everyone yet, but we've also got approval to not only run that stage in Michelle, but we've got Ellenbrook, a stage in Ellenbrook, and we've also got a brand new stage in, in Parkerville. Um, so there's a number of, of spectating spectating opportunities. Um, firstly, though, everyone knows motorsport's dangerous. Yeah, so whilst we encourage and welcome spectators, we do ask that you watch from the designated mm. areas. Um, yep. There's some... I guess fairly familiar. Some there's some do's and don'ts when it comes to spectating, as you've alluded to, Nick. We've got the the spectator guide on the website, and I'd encourage everyone to have a quick look at, at targawest.com.au forward slash spectators. Cunningly hidden that one. <laughs> uh, we've obviously also we've all seen YouTube videos of just how quickly things can turn bad. So it is pretty important that people do stand in the right spot, stand where they're supposed to to watch, um, you know, look out for each other. Um, Where's the best place to watch? Pretty much anywhere. Um, mm. There's something for everyone at the event. If you like watching action, then there's heaps of places. Obviously, in Ellenbrook, there's designated points uh, which will be circulated, but pretty much is, I think it's the corner of Library Avenue, Ellen Sterling Parade, um, which is just after the start line. Then there's another one on Civic Terrace and, and Retail Link. And then up... Uh, I think it's between Parkway and Hes- Hes- is it Hesperia Parade up the top. Um, there's actually going to be a, an area, a corporate area that's catered for by, by the Brook Bar and Bistro. Um, on Friday, that's all on Thursday night. On Friday, we've got hairpins on zigzag, which are always interesting to watch people's technique on the wand. They are great to watch. Um, some people get it, some don't. The big cars are quite challenging. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Wayne Turner in that great big red Falcon sprint. Man love, I don't know how the thing actually gets up zigzag. but um, And then uh, on Friday, the actual service park on Railway Parade in Kalamunda around lunchtime is, is also a good spot to watch. Okay. All the cars are parked up. Um, Saturday we've got my personal favour the whole event is on top of Racecourse Road out in 2J um, is definitely as they come up the hill and turn right they're coming straight at you I know I'm familiar with that I'll be there tomorrow actually, yeah. <laughs> but for other reasons illegal practice or <laughs> no, no, no. For, for, for reasons of employment but yeah. oh, fair enough um, and obviously also the stages in Bullbrook, Bullsbrook they're always extremely popular on Sunday up in Malaga We've actually got um, pretty much got everyone covered over the event because up in Malaga we've actually got tyre shredding, smoking sideways action. The mm. old drift cars are going to put on a bit of a display up there on Sunday, and then obviously you culminate in the city Sunday afternoon. Um, so Riverside Drive, Langley Park. I know we'll touch on later about what's going on on there as well, but um, pretty much something for everyone. If you like it a bit more sedate, then the cars are on display in Forest Place at the start. Um, again on Shannon Show and Shine in Northbridge on Friday night and obviously the classics on the park and then City of Perth celebration of motorsport on Langley Park and Riverside Drive so pretty much something for everyone. Just to cover off there so the Show and Shine is going ahead as well and on in Northbridge is that correct? Definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. That's North, actually, Northbridge on the Friday night. Yeah I'd, I'd recommend if, if you can't get to anything just make yourself get to that because that is that they closed you still closing off yeah james time? and lake yeah. street yep. yep awesome yeah no i really enjoy i take the kids to that when i can and it's it's a really good night out actually it's a real vibe in north yeah. bridge like the city of perth is so supportive you know allowing us to 
effectively shut down the entertainment precinct. Um, we put you know, videos on the big screen. Um, mm. yeah, this year, it's still early days, obviously, in planning, but you know, potentially there might be a little bit of activity going on at the piazza there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, looking forward to that one, that's for sure. Mm. I had actually had Chinese with Jim Richards. Like there you go. With him. He was a couple of tables over that way, but oh, that's still, close enough. Yeah, that counts. You did know. you take China. a selfie? No, I did yeah. have a photo of him. <laughs> <laughs> I did. He's, he's uh, just a, he is just a legend, that guy, he isn't is. he? Yeah, he's definitely. He's just such a nice guy. He's, what, he's not coming back this year. Obviously, he's retired now, but you know, 10 years at Targa West and just at age 70, still a, a competitive driver, just mm. phenomenal. Yeah, no, certainly is, it certainly is. Hey, look, we'll take a break right there and we'll be back right after this. Okay, welcome back. Talking Power podcast on 88.5 FM where the valley comes alive and podcasting through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your good podcasts from, and www.talkandpower.com.au. All right, getting back into it, we've got David Smith from Targa West with us here. So, David, this is probably my favourite part of the, the interview. Now, we talk about the actual the, the cars and, the, and some of the, the classes. So, it's, 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 you've corrected me today, actually, because I, I, I had it incorrect, but it's competition modern, competition classic, Targa 165, which is new for this year, I mm-hmm. understand. Yep. yep. Targa 130, the two-day rally, and Invitational. So I know it's a long bow, but can you talk <laughs> us through all of, the, all of those? Feel free to interrupt me. <laughs> yeah. um, look, the original intention of Targa was to, to pretty much for a spirited drive. In fact, I think the original slogan was for the thrill of the drive. Um, over the years, the, the event's become progressively more competitive but we're also conscious that there's a need to provide an event that that appeals to a a broad range of people um, and not just people but a broad range of cars so we reckon that we've got the mix pretty right and it's probably something for everyone Um, so competition is basically outright there's no real outright winner for Targa um, however, I guess people sort of consider the competition classes to be sort of the outright winners. They're speed limited to 200 k's. We're a bit unique in Targa West in that we actually have self-imposed a speed limit of 200 k's. We do that on on the basis of safety. Um, other than that, flat out. So roll cages, full safety equipment's mandatory. You know, heads. Um, sorry, helmets. Heads. <laughs> Drivers are supposed to have yeah. heads. Um, <laughs> frontal head restraints. You know, the full driving suits, boots suits etc um cars have got to comply with a a, with one of a number of of different technical rigs which outlines what modifications are permitted you've got to have a cams log book pretty much your your typical modern or classic rally car um, that you know most people will be familiar with um the targa 165 class it's competitive and you can all of these classes got challenge uh, comp classic and modern so um modern kicks in from 1987 from memory and classic pre-87 um so targa 165 pretty much as per competition but this spread speed restricted to 165 k's and the reason we did that is there are a number of competitors that as they're getting older, their sense of self-preservation is becoming a bit more heightened, um, and they reckon that 165 k's was was more than enough for them. 
they also or some of them also drive cars that are a bit older not really designed to be at that sort of speed for any sustained length of time um you know classic cars for example can be a little bit temperamental when mm. it comes to you know four days of, of high speed stuff um so it's really all the safety requirements are the same as competition so it's really just something to to let those guys compete on a, i guess on a more even footing amongst themselves yeah um Targa 130s again are sort of a new I guess we called it Targa 130 it's not new it's used to be what was challenge so again speed limited to 130 k's an hour this time um, cars can actually be a standard road car so this year is going to be the last year that cans allow us to do it um, for relevant safety reasons but basically this year's competitors they, they need a helmet and driving suit don't need frontal head restraints or roll cages um, effectively it's designed to provide an entry level into competitive tarmac rallying for, for newish competitors or those who don't wish to drill holes in their fancy typically their wife's car um, and, and take them so they can jam a roll cage in it um, you know, 130k's doesn't seem too fast you know, particularly when you know, we're used to doing 110 on the open road but it's through the corners that, that people make up their time. Mm. Um, you know, I'd challenge you to maintain that around most corners. And there's, over the years, there's been many instances where Targa 130 or previously challenged competitors have actually finished in the top 10 to 15 outright. Okay. Um, you know, Sharon Gunson won it for a number of years in, in her car. And um, you know, Raz Van Vlad was another one in a little, little diesel I-20 or I-30 from yeah, memory. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But he just kept his foot buried. Had a speed limit of 130 and went around corners really well. Mm, yeah, um, Two-day rally, pretty much as above, but Saturday or Sunday, um, you know, particularly in this era of FIFO workers, you know, some of them don't get back in time for the Thursday event. They'll fly in on Thursday night, so it still gives them a chance to play, um, or you know, business people that are time poor. Um, invitational, I know we mentioned pre-interview we were talking about Denver but he's a he's a classic example so invitational is basically for cars that I guess technically speaking don't really meet the technical regulations um, typically they're probably a little bit modified a little bit above and beyond what what is technically allowed um, and we mentioned Denver he's you know local resident and land while racing Nissan Skyline GTR mm. races at Wanneroo cars registered as a rally car but it's got a couple of mods that that he uses at Wanneroo that'd be on the scope of the rigs. So, for example, sequential gearbox, bigger turbo, etc. So, rather than have him the expense of actually converting it all back to standard trim, we sort of allow him to come and have a bit of a play um, in an invitational class. But I guess it's important, it's not any invitational, it is an invitation. So, you know, it would be really limited to experienced drivers in special sort of cars and you know, stuff that's not too far off its chops that's so far yeah, outside yeah. the rigs that it just wouldn't wouldn't comply anyway. Um, <clears throat> and then one thing that we, we didn't mention, which I didn't tell you about, is um, Target Tour. So we've also got a category that's a, a spirited drive. Um, it's for those who wish to enjoy you know, a, a bit of fun on the same stages that the full competition competitors use. Mm -hmm. No stress of navigation, pace notes, don't need to worry about time controls or fancy car prep, anything like that. As long as you've got a helmet, um, speed limited to a maximum of 110 and, you know, a car. So they go in a group, there's a tour leader, go in a group of 10, 12 cars, um, use the whole width of the road so there's no worries about oncoming traffic or anything like that and 
don't have to slow down for stop signs. <laughs> that that uh, actually so. sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Oh, I like the sound of that. It's actually one of the classes in Targa, Targa um, across Australia. It's actually one of the classes that's fastest growing. Mm, yeah, because everyone's got a you know, car that's suitable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But across all the... Across all the categories, there's something to suit everyone. We've got you know, classics like Ford Escorts and Commodores and Tiranas and Falcons, Camaros. You know, you've got modern four-wheel-drive turbocharged stuff like Evos and Skylines and Rexes. You know, there's even been the odd exotic you know, GT3s, Porsches and AMGs and Lambos. They've all made an appearance over mm. the years. Um, this year, for the first time, we'll have a Skoda Fabia R5, which is a rally car class. It's the level immediately below WRC. Yeah. Um, so Johnny O'Dowd from Truck Wholesale's trotting that out. Um, and then I guess for the muscle fans, we've already had confirmation that John Ireland's bringing his Dodge Viper over um, from over east. And Chris Caruso's planning on trotting out his. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously all the HSVs and GTs that, that normally come out to play as well. So nice. pretty much everything from mid-60s all the way through to current model. Yeah. I wonder if, does the Target Tour have a minimum speed? <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering in terms of the XW. <laughs> no, well, as long go. as you can go 60 k's. Yeah, an XW surely goes over 60. Not mine. Oh, downhill with the tailwind. Yeah, fair it's enough. Only, it's only six cylinder. With the overdrive we're talking about before, Nick. I know we do need to get onto that. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a, that's a, that's. I wasn't aware of the target tool, but that actually sounds quite exciting. I must say, it's look, massive. We've we've only really started to promote it over the last couple of years. Last year we had a, a Porsche target tour, um, which was supported by by um, Porsche, um, and I, I can't remember how many cars. I think there was ten cars in that. Um, there's four or five in a Subaru target tour, um, so it, it is a good chance for people to have a bit of a blat, but under controlled conditions yeah yeah no certainly certainly all right well look i've seen that evs have made their way into into targa over over the years we had a proton jumbuck correct me if i'm wrong and a tesla as well in the, in the past years proton jumbuck and yeah. rallying in the same sentence it just doesn't sound right it doesn't i saw some video of it actually it's a interesting vehicle but i tell you what it was quick off the line mm, yeah. oh yeah yeah no, i can imagine i can imagine but tell us a bit about that do you see that as a growth area for for targa oh absolutely yeah absolutely like it or not the world seems to be heading that way um, over the last couple of years we've actually had a number of electric cars we actually did a, a target tour of um, Targa Southwest mm-hmm. and they actually stopped in at the um, is it the Greenbushes lithium mine on the way through yeah I think so um, yeah. and then sort of came back via the Southwest there's more and more um, I guess chargers popping up around the place so you know electric vehicles are becoming almost more practical um, at the moment though I guess you could argue that they're diesel powered given the generators that left have to tow around to refuel yeah. um, but you know with the prevalence of, of the station charging stations as they increase they're certainly becoming a viable alternative um, from a spectator's viewpoint incredible acceleration like that Tesla is just incredible off the line but they sneak up on you at, at spectator points you know, there's yeah. just no sound and to me personally Sounding fast is actually part of it, mm, yeah. and I think if they can crack that somehow, then I think with a wider acceptance, you know, they'll be in motorsport. Yeah. Um, will electric vehicles mean the death of motorsport as we know it? Categorically, in my opinion, no. Mm. Um, the reason being is 
cars are replaced, horses is the main means of transport, yet we still have horse racing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> stuff comes along, there'll still be you know, combustion engines racing, guarantee it. Mm. Um, it's interesting though, one of the issues that we had with electric cars is, is what happens in the event of a crash. Um, for example, there doesn't seem to be a standard kill switch in any of the manufacturers. Um, so in the event of an accident, there's a heck of a lot of voltage looking for somewhere to go. Each manufacturer's got a different switch or fuse or in different locations. Some of them you flick a switch, others you've got to cut a wire. Some of them are easy accessible and yet there's one that's actually got it under a panel underneath the driver's feet, which would okay. probably be the least <laughs> practical place to put something wow. in the event of a front-end accident. So you know, prior to last year's event, our rescue and recovery teams were actually briefed on the various methods of disabling the battery. Um, it's interesting times ahead, not just for events, but actually for you know RAC and and yeah. you know medical and all those people out there with them more and more on the road these days. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Interest. It was wasn't it Hammond, Richard Hammond that crashed an electric vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Remick, the Remick, 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 off the hill. And mate, I've got to tell you, I've seen a you know Samsung phone go up yeah. because of a battery. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not pretty. Hey, look, I think it's a good time. We'll take a break right there, and we'll be back right after this. All right, welcome back to the Talk and Power podcast, episode sixty-one. You can find us at. 88.5 FM Saturday mornings from 8.30 to 10 a.m. Also, podcasting on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. I'm sure I miss a few out when every time I say that, but anyway, it's all right. It's all good. I think you got them all. The www.talkandpower.com.au as well. All right, we're here with David Smith of Targa West. And one of the interesting things that I really enjoyed last year, David, so can, and I, I, I did tell Nick, uh, I told, told her that about the celebration of, of motorsport and how much of a blast that was. Mm-hmm. And we had a little tent down there, and I've, I haven't filled out my paperwork yet, but I'm going to send that off to Nick. Anyway, um, so I had a real blast there, and it was a, a great a great, uh, great event, the Celebration of Motorsport. Can you just talk us through the Celebration of Motorsport and Shannon's on the Park? And tell us a bit about that. Yeah, of course. Um, celebration of Motorsport, well, the two events are, are down on, on Langley Park and Riverside Drive. The, the difference between them is one has got a motorsport theme, i.e. the Celebration of Motorsport. Um, the Shannon's Classics on the Park is more, I guess, display of fancy, you know, nice-looking classic vehicles. The Celebration of Motorsport, um, and there's actually the Family Fun Zone, you know, City of Perth actually support both of those events. Motorsport theme, um, all disciplines, cars, bikes, boats, speedway, race, rally, trucks, drags, Nitro and Nan's actually bringing her car out. And Tracy, time. yeah, we've had her on the podcast, Tracy. Mate, she actually wants to start it. Yeah, up. yeah, I know, Dave's really keen to start and that. <laughs> I reckon that'd be awesome, but I'd don't know about the people along Terrace Road, but anyway, um, <laughs> mate, there's RC cars, um, you know, there's even billy carts, although they haven't got an engine, but, you know, the downhill billy carts, um, they actually loved it because they ended up with a heap of new members coming up there. Um, Motorcycling WA actually called an off a section and they have their little peewee bikes and throw helmets on the kids and actually the kids actually ride the bikes. Um, 
whoever it was that was running around beside those all day, mate, he was fit. Um, and then on top of that, we've, we've got a, a family zone, um, again, sponsored by the City of Perth. So we've got something, you know, gym bus, um, 96 FM, run some activities for the kids. Um, pretty much in sort of something for the kids to do while everyone's ogling all the motorsport. Um, depending on the rain, we might be able to do a... a boat race i don't know but <laughs> last year was a bit soggy at one end but but uh, uh, it, it really is um it's something that that we started uh, well last year was the first year we've got 150 cars entered already for this year um to pretty much complement what we're doing down there and just to really get people into the city of perth um the shannon's classics on the park we moved them from langley park across to between riverside drive and the river um, and the reason for that was because pretty much Langley Park, Langley Park can get quite soggy underfoot if there's been a lot of rain. Um, so we moved them over to that area to get them in and out, sort of up the footpath. And that's actually worked really well because people can sort of walk the length of it and see both sides. Whereas at Langley Park, going through the Celebration of Motorsport, they're sort of up and down and zigzagging through to see all the cars. So both of them have worked really well. Um, mm. So yeah, 150 cars already registered and we've only actually had the website live for I think three days, four days now. Yeah, yeah. No, and I urge people listening to get to that because I, I really enjoyed that last year and I thought it was... Actually, I know it rained leading up to it, but the, the actual Sunday was blue sky the from day horizon was to horizon. Yeah. Yeah, it, was it was a magic absolutely day. perfect. And the RC cars, the little radio control cars, mate, they had their... They had jumps, they had their... They walk upstairs, they got a trailer with a roof on it, they all control it. They were sensational. Mm, yeah. Some elephant noise starting and finishing the events, which sort of confused me but yeah, yeah, that, 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 that was, was brilliant yeah, that was good memory oh, man, I think if you listen <laughs> if you listen to episode 36 you'll hear we recorded it from there yeah. actually oh, so yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah no that's great and look i mean obviously the city of perth see see value in that and it's it's kind of i view it as i guess the centerpiece of the of the whole event really in some ways mm. it's the the last day and there's still a leg at, at over to on in through yep. the car park as well. Yeah, definitely. We've changed that layout slightly um, to make it uh, to make it flow better, basically. So the, the difficulty the difficulty with the layouts we've had previously is you have to shut it down to get spectators across. Mm. So we've actually changed that layout slightly now to sort of um, so pedestrians can go at the end, yep. um, which works really well. But uh, I mean, City of Perth have been absolutely brilliant, and the celebration of motorsports actually literally a direct result of them asking us what else they could do to, to support the event and make Targa West bigger and bring more people to the city. Um, from the city of Perth, there's obviously a substantial economic benefit that events, not just Targa West, but all events bring to the city. Mm. But they also recognise that there's a, it's not always about dollars and cents. They acknowledge that there's a significant improvement in, in what we've termed the social capital of a region. When people get out and about and experience an event, you know, they're getting outdoors, they're chatting to their neighbours, they, you know, they're having fun. Um, and Targa West, I guess, is a bit unique in that it brings all the excitement, colour, noise, spectacle of motorsport actually to the people rather than have them go to a dedicated track mm. and pay an entry fee. Yeah. Because it's completely free. It's basically a completely inclusive event. And one of our benefits is we attract people from all socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, so, you know, events have obviously add to the vibrancy of a community. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons why the Ellenbrook Ellenbrook Community Collective and the City of Swan have been sort of proactive in getting us up mm. into, into Ellenbrook. Um, I guess all of the, all of the not just the City of Perth, but all of the local governments that we deal with are just absolutely brilliant, you know. 
I guess whatever dramas may or not be occurring in the city of Perth, you know, the, the council and the staff are just brilliant to deal with. Um, yeah. yeah. No other capital city provides support to let us literally shut down one of the main arterial roads yeah. to allow amateur drivers to race flat out alongside one of the most spectacular cityscapes. Mm. It's just yeah, Instagram, Facebook-worthy pictures. It's just brilliant. It certainly is. It certainly is. And as I said, it's um, it, it's kind of the centrepiece, and it, it really does. That's the other thing we forgot to mention. I know you just said it there, but I want to reiterate it. Free. That's that's the yeah, beauty absolutely. of it. And yeah. it's not just this Langley Park is that's free. Yep. All all events, all stages, free of free entry so pretty much unless you're a driver it's free yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that's you know that is because of the great support we've got from yeah. the, from a number of sponsors so yeah. and city yeah. of perth is just one of them yeah no of course and of course. Uh, as a spectator i highly recommend going to tj and mm-hmm. the lamb rolls are always a favourite every year. <laughs> the meat hook, yes. Yeah the, yeah, the meat hook. I will give a shout out to the local. Like, I can't remember the, the name butcher? of the cafe. Yeah, but the butcher. Oh, well, the meat hook's the butcher. Yeah. But yeah. And then the um, the two J bakery. Yeah, that's right. The two J no, bakery. Oh, the two J bakery, of course, goes yeah. I'm somewhere. pretty yeah. sure I yeah. sunk about fifty bucks for those guys. <laughs> Doesn't show, mate. Yeah, no. Swelters, you swelters always. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Just talking about um, what are some of the challenges of, of obviously keeping the target growing? And We're talking about all the great things you've done. What are some of the challenges you see ahead for you guys, keeping it relevant yeah. in the years beyond? Especially after 15 years, you know, how do you make it fresh? Um, I guess the, the, main, the main thing about any form of motorsport is it's pretty much funded by people with you know, discretionary spend. You know, people that have got lots of sponsors on their car are a few and far between. It's typically their mates or their business or, mm. or whoever that's funding it. So, you know, money left over after all the bills have paid in the current economy, there's there's less of that available. Um, so it's no secret, I guess, that, that that has hit our entry numbers over the last you know, three or four years. Um, personally, I think there's been a bit of a turnaround. I think there's more of a positive sentiment now. Um, and I think that's evident in, in the fantastic entry numbers we get at the rally sprints and the Bunbury sprint, and I'm sure that'll flow onto Targa West. Um, I can get on a bit of a rant here, but OH&S or OS&H or whatever you call mm. it, mate, <laughs> what can I say? I said, man, a lot of this, and people that, as a society, what we do now is just insane. You know, mm. we've got so many policies and procedures in place to cover every possible eventuality. It's just nuts. And, and it imposes significant costs on events. Um, and we're all for safety, don't get me wrong, but there just seems to be too many people conjuring up what-ifs and then implementing procedures to prevent something occurring that's only ever happened once in some remote part of the world. And, uh, you know, social media has a lot to answer for for that. You know, I'll mention hostile vehicle mitigation because that's my pet hate, but hmm. it's basically someone who's having a bad day getting a truck and running through a crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that to to do to implement hostile vehicle mitigation from city of from the city to surf allegedly cost in the vicinity of seventy thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Which is just seventy grand that's not going to the charity. It's just no. absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, get off my whole horse. Um, attention spans. I think in this day and age of, of immediacy, we find that attention spans are shorter, and social media is immediate. Um, we've contracted Absolute Edge Media to help us with our social media presence in the lead up to and during the event. We're all busy running an event, and so we just don't keep people updated with what we're doing, who's winning, etc. I think the immediacy of social media, in particular videos, is 
pretty much made TV programs redundant. Yeah. Um, and, and managing people's need for immediate information and, and um, I guess, immediate gratification and keeping top of mind when there's so many other things that are clamouring for their attention can be challenging. Mm. Um, and the final thing is with Targa West, you know, we don't have hills. So we do pretty much the best with the roads that we've got available. Um, but you know, occasionally, every, every now and then, a competitor actually says, "Oh, it's the same. It's been the same year in, year out." And I sort of, I sort of challenge it a bit because if someone's actually competed in 15 Targa Wests and they've driven Kundal Highlands 15 times, let's say 20 times if you do it twice, that means they've gone through a particular corner 20 times. They'd go around the same corner at Wanneroo 20 times in a day. In a day. <laughs> but, but in reality, look, you know, we try and invigorate the event. We try and twist it around. Maryville's a few k's or a couple of k's longer um, because we've tweaked the, the layout there slightly. We've got Parkerville, which is a new stage. So I guess trying to sort of give it a little bit of extra um, mm. is challenging because we've only got so many roads and in all reality the, they're just too fast to use yeah yeah no, no that's understandable understandable uh, look we'll take a short break there and we'll be back right after this Okay, welcome back to the Talk and Power podcast, episode 61. We're here with David Smith from Target West and Todd Brink. Everyone's getting used to me by now, I hope, so... <laughs> they I'm, know, they know you. I'm getting enough uh, feedback from people, uh, you know. Finish your time. Start, stop talking about this, stop talking about that, you know. Anyway, um, uh, Dave, I've got a good one for you here. Well, here we go. Is this yeah. on the script or is this a new one? What script? We do everything live, you oh, know, oh, free oh, range. You're scaring me now, you're scaring me now. Yeah, like, you know, Mount Bucker Free Range chickens. They're just, they're just out there, you know. <laughs> Anyway, um, look, myself, I'm, we've mentioned it on the previous show, I'm mm. really thinking about money where my, my mouth is, getting a car and going out there and doing Target this year. Mm-hmm. So how do I get myself off the couch and doing these events? Um, look, <laughs> I, guess, I guess there's many ways. We've mentioned all the different categories before, but um, I'm presuming you don't want to just go for a bit of a spirited drive. You want to be a little... I know you, mate. You're going to be a little bit competitive. You want to go yeah, a little but bit I, I want to do it properly. I don't want to go flat out, straight yeah. out, okay. you know. <laughs> well, we, one of the reasons... Oh, let's go back to the beginning. So um, we actually run... Um, a rally sprint series, a Shannon's rally sprint series down at the Motorplex. That's over the um, summer months. Um, five round series, um, basically a 4K course at the Motorplex, but not using the Motorplex in any way that you, you know, we use the staging lanes, we use the, the return road, we use Snake Pit, go up the drag strip, there's a goat track around the back. So there's a 4K course through there that we use. That's actually really good. It's a Thursday night, it's a really good for someone who's just starting to have a bit of a play on tarmac. Um, normal road cars are fine. Um, your helmet is sort of minimum safety requirements. Obviously, if you've got the gear, then wear it. Um, but, you know, minimum is just a helmet and a normal road car. You and a co-driver get to know, A, whether the co-driver's going to throw up. Um, <laughs> but, but, B, just to get a little bit of, about a road book, on a 4K stage, you run it four times on a Thursday night. doesn't lead into your weekend. Really good entry level. From there, you progress to something like the, um, I guess, the GT Fabrication Targa Bunbury Sprint, which is a um, bit longer, a bit more serious, a um, bit faster. Um, and then you'd progress to somewhere like Targa Southwest, which is a you know, two-day rally down in Mandrum up in Pemberton, which is a couple of weekends ago. 
Um, we'd then do a mid-year sprint um, as a lead into Targa West, which is again down at the Motorplex, and then of course obviously Targa West. And you could ease into Targa West, so you could actually do the two-day rookie rally, um, and then you know, next year do the full, full four days. We do sort of suggest that people actually do go through that sort of progression. Um, you know, it sounds stupid, motorsport is dangerous. Tarmac can bite you in the butt and bite you in the butt quickly. Um, you know, someone actually asked me what was more dangerous, gravel or tarmac, because they see the cars going flat out past trees on gravel. You know, without a doubt in my mind, tarmac is more dangerous um, because you've got grip, 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 nothing tree. Like it's yeah. instantaneous. Whereas on gravel, you know yeah. you're going to crash for 150 <laughs> metres. Yeah. Your side is going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So, so, you know, it is a dangerous sport, but, and that's why we encourage people to sort of start at the rally sprints, progress your way through it, get more confident gradually, don't jump in the deep end. Yeah, fair enough. So, oh, so that's, what that's car have you got? Evo. You, another one. Well, yeah, I don't have an Evo yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're getting there. Good. Good. Be how good far? to see you out there. Well, we'll, we'll, how far away is it, Todd? <laughs> well, uh, well Targa yeah. West is in August, mate, so it can't be too far no, no, away. That hopefully be here for Bunbury, but oh, I'm, not, cool. I'm not sure if I'm ending in Bunbury yet. Okay. I'm We've got 141, so do we need to make it 142 I, entries? I or? wouldn't go that far just yet, because i got a funny feeling like I'm cutting it too fine. <laughs> but anyway, we'll see. We're all looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. We are all looking forward to it. Hey, David, put, putting something like Target West on, is it's it's a big operation. It's You said before, roughly 550 volunteers yeah. and officials. That's, that is a massive, massive task, and... and you know, and most of them, correct me if I'm wrong, are volunteers. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, um, obviously, there's, there's, well, Target West themselves, um, yeah, Ross and Jan Tapper own Target West. Um, uh, I contract to, to them. So, effectively, there's three full-time people, mm. um, which seems pretty amazing because everyone sees a four-day event and going, how can you employ three, three people full-time? But over the year, we actually run... 30 plus events yeah. um, so Target West is it's pretty busy keeps us off the street but then you know, us three there's well over 500 volunteer officials from memory I think it was 550 or 560 last year um, and, and we need them to make the event happen uh, we just you just couldn't do it without them and to be honest in WA we're pretty blessed to have so many passionate volunteers over yeah. here yeah. Um, heaps of positions available you know, many of which don't require any experience we give them training Everyone gets a Targa West shirt, cap and lanyard. Um, you know, road closure officials are the bread and butter of, of any form of rallying. You help keep the stages secure by preventing traffic and people you know, wandering onto the live stage. Um, and, you know, they get the best spot <laughs> and private spectator mm. point to watch the rally yeah. from, you know. Yep. Yep. Um, so we are blessed with with the number of volunteers that help us out, and that's absolutely... And I think it's volunteer week this week, isn't it? Or was that last week? I'm not aware of it, actually. Yeah, there you go. Know. There's something to look up yeah. on Google. Yeah, no, I'm pretty wow. sure it's Volunteer Week. So, yeah, we are blessed with the number of volunteers we've yeah. got. Yeah. All right, David. Look, I mean, that's about it. I, I think we've covered just about everything there. And, uh, look, really appreciate your time. I know an event like this as well, you have a number of partners and sponsors that come on. So can you t- they come on for the events? Can you run us through those yeah, partners course. and sponsors? Yeah, of course. 
Um, primarily Healthway and the Make Smoking History message. They sponsor all of our events, um, and in particular the, the Make Smoking History Target Cup, uh, which is a, a points-based series on, on 11 events. Um, City of Perth, obviously, we've, we've touched on them a bit. City of Perth Parking, they allow us to fang around through, through Terrace Road Car Park. Um, Shannon's probably one of the biggest supporters of motorsport anywhere in Australia. Um, mm. They're brilliant as well, and again, they support all of our events. Obviously, all of the cities and shires that we go through, Kalamunda, Swan, 2J, Mundaring, Chittering, um, Whiteman Park. Um, you know, we're, Whiteman Park's like a nature reserve, yet we're allowed to fang around there flat knackers. It's just brilliant. <laughs> yeah. um, I've got to read this one out so I get it right. The Forestfield and Highwickham Community Bank branches registered trademark of the Bendigo Bank. Okay. So, <laughs> but Bendigo Bank, um, yeah, they've come on board uh, in the last couple of years, and, and again, um, Colin and the, the team there are brilliant. Subaru Wilson Park provide us all of the course cars. Um, one only used on weekends. Um, <laughs> Storage King Perth Airport, 96 FM, and obviously um, and regular sponsors for all of our events. Again, LF Performance Equipment, or LF Performance, I should say, and Go Gear Racing Services. Yeah, yeah. So can I mention the websites? Am I allowed to do yeah, that? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely. lots of them. Yeah. You sure? No, no, yeah. no, go for it. Please do. www.targawest.com. That's T-A-R-G-A-W-E-S-T.com.au. Um, the Bunbury Sprint is bunburysprint.com.au or actually Target Bunbury Sprint. That's, I should yeah, get that right. Yeah. Target, Target Bunbury Sprint. We I looked at you because I knew what it was. Yeah. Targetcitysprint.com.au. We've got targetsouthwest.com.au. Yeah. Um, oh, Celebration of Motorsports, probably the, the topical one, yeah. one at the moment. Yep. Celebrationofmotorsport.com.au. And, and um, I think that'll tick all the boxes, I think. Yeah. I we'll, think. We'll repost those anyway. If you, if yeah. you missed Beautiful. those, we'll yep. repost those for, you, for us. So go to our Facebook page or go to our website and you'll see them all there as well. In the show notes too, if you go get to this as a podcast, go down in the notes and we'll have them down there as well. So that way you can find out all the information. I go to the Target West website quite frequently, yeah. actually, to be <laughs> honest. Yeah, I like it. Actually, we've just updated it. We've actually, because it's obviously our 15th year, so I've gone back and actually gone through all the history and got all of the results from 2005 all the way through. Okay. Mate, there's some names in there that uh, are yeah. interesting. Oh, wow. All right, David, look, we'll leave it there. And uh, thanks for your time and coming on the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, go to the website if they need to contact yourself. Yep, you absolutely. Can, go to the info box there. And I really appreciate your time coming on. Thanks, David. Nick, Todd, fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Thank Dave. you. Thanks for your time. Thanks. Okay, that was great having uh, David Smith from Tiger West in here. And uh, just, t- just tell us, I mean, I know I mentioned before some of my experiences in, in Tiger West when I, um, I've, I've tried to get down there as often as I can when Tiger West has come through. But just tell us some of your experiences that you've had in Tiger West over the years. Yeah, sure. There's been a few. Um, actually, got a shout out to a good friend of mine here, Franz. Um, and his, well, lovely partner, Steph, who actually... Uh, was the co-driver for Mark Greenham that was mentioned last week that they won Tiger Southwest. Mm-hmm. Yep. We made a point in the first couple of years of it running to spectate, I think, almost every day. And we used to drive out to Mishay, Bindoon, 2J, and spectate. Yeah. Had, had a great day. Made a day of it. Rain, hail, or shine. I remember standing in a, a field, ankle deep in water, yep. watch, watching Tiger one year. That's yeah. what I mean. As a spectator, it's great. Mm. Like, it's brilliant. 
what I'm going to do is I'll actually repost some of those photos that I that I was uh, talking about, and I'll, I'll actually repost some of those photos um, that I had with uh, Jim Richards, not not in the Chinese restaurant, but earlier on outside. So, and you'll see, like my kids are literally like babies. This is this is why I say Targa West has got a, a long history. It's not long in, I mean, okay, it's not long compared to the Indy 500, but yeah. it's 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 a lot of history in in Western Australia. I mean, it goes back 15 years now, and I think it's a it's a it's an absolutely awesome event. And it's something that um you know that it as as we mentioned free free of charge doesn't cost anything to go, um, and you'll see some absolutely magnificent cars. Yeah, I mean uh, one point to mention is um, I think I'll add some photos to your collection, Nick, that we'll put put up online. Mm, yeah. One year I went to uh, follow a couple of guys really closely, and mm. I recorded it mostly on a handy cam. Yeah, okay. Yep. This is before the advent of decent digital cameras even. It was recorded on, yeah, a camera that used tapes. Oh. That's how, and <laughs> probably shows how far technology's come in, what, 15 years? But, yeah, that's right. And I remember having freaking out because I ran out of tape and I had to try and put another tape in the camera and... That actually would be really good to see, actually. So, oh, yeah, what, no, me, no, me freaking out with the camera yeah, or, or no, the footage? Just the... Just the, um, just the, the well, just the footage as well. I think that would be really good to see. Actually. Yeah, I wouldn't mind so. seeing that. So yeah, look, I mean, as I said, uh, Targa West that's coming up. Uh, make sure you get there. You know, of all the things we said, we didn't say the date. It was the eighth to the eleventh oh, of August yeah, of two thousand and nineteen. So eighth to the eleventh of August two thousand and nineteen. We're hoping to have. Uh, pretty wide coverage of the event and we're going to try not try we are definitely going to be at the celebration of motorsport and we're going to try and do a few other stages as well so um if you do see us there make sure you come in and say hello and um yeah we'd really love to have a chat and um yeah get down there all right todd we'll take a break right here and we'll be back right after this Okay, supercars. We had a supercar round, Todd, uh, from Winton Raceway. You like Winton? Don't remember it, tell you the truth. It's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's I call it the, the Barbagallo of deep Victoria. It's very, that's longer than Barbagallo, obviously, and there's more corners than Barbagallo, but it has that, you know, that bit of a Barbagallo feel from 1990s, in the 90s. You know, you'd camp out there and... You know, yeah. have a little bit of a bushfire happening. That's what we used to do anyway. We used to camp out on the Wattle Lav. This is back in the day when you could camp on Wattle Lav. Wow. Camp on Wattle Lav with your mates. And yeah. you start a little bit of a fire on the side of the road, of course. It was in the middle of winter, so it was no big deal. Ranger yeah. was okay with that. Sleep in your cars. You did, you know, bring your swag and whatnot. And then, you know, people had common sense back then. Yeah. So what we what we do this is going to sound ridiculous, but we'd actually park on the side of the road. So we kept Wattle Lav free for vehicles to travel up and down. But yeah. your spot in the line was your spot in the line. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, yeah it does. So we used to go in through the bottom gate yeah. of of you know that bottom gate right at the end of Wattle Lav, and you'd park on the side of the road, and that was your spot in the line. No one drove down there and like try to push in. You yeah. Know? 
and also we left it free for vehicles that were having to get in and out of the track at night time not that there were many but also with that was like the burnouts and i've got a quite a few videos <laughs> not myself of course but uh, quite a few cars doing burnouts down water lab and it was really great times yeah barbara gallo in the 90s Warner Raceway in the 90s, anyway. So that's why I get that bit of a Winton feel about it. Anyway, um, what did you think? I don't know if you caught it. The talking point of the race was, or the weekend, was really race one. The two DJR Penske cars actually touched each other and both went off at turn five. This was on the first lap. Now, consequently, that night, well, I'll jump forward a little bit. That night, you know who they got an email from? The boss, Roger yeah. Penske, sent an email from the Indy 500 and said, what did he actually say? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I must have read this bit, so I'm interested. Roger Penske emailed Coulthard and McLaughlin advising they broke the, the, they broke the policy. Um, so it, they don't go into full details of the email, but it broke the policy. So wasn't terribly impressed, Roger, all the way from Indianapolis. Anyway... Cut a long story short, they've gone, they've both gone off at turn five. Now, Scotty kept his foot into it and actually re-entered the track at turn nine. Now, that's within the rules. That's within the driver notes for, for Winton, the Winton, the Winton track. Um, Fabian didn't do that. He re-entered the track and was in last position. But when Scotty cut basically three corners off the track, he re-entered the track in first place. But he relinquished the first and second place and put himself back into third. Yep. Now, that's within this, the rules. And um, he was not cited by Craig, Craig Baird on the weekend, and he was allowed to do that. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on that first. Well, um, I'll put you on the spot. Yeah, I think he's done the right thing. Um, but it's this whole what's the oh, I can't remember the actual wording of the rule again, but it's this whole well, give, I, giving I, up the place. Um it's He he was in third at the time. Yeah. So he went off he went off in third position when Fabian was challenging. Yeah. And he's he's rejoined in first place and relinquished first and second and then and and but he's jumped he's cut across <laughs> for my, my, I don't think it's within the spirit of the sport. I, don't, I really don't. As much as I'm a Scott McLaughlin fan um, and a Ford fan and a DJR Penske fan, I can get, bet you London to a brick this this loophole will be tied up by next year. Yeah, see... This won't be allowed to happen again. Arguably, it probably should have been a stopgap penalty. But then they would need to validate a reason for a stopgap penalty. Well, it wasn't his fault. The incident wasn't his fault. Yeah. It was actually... Fabian actually did get a penalty for it. So oh, Fabian yeah. got the penalty yeah. for it. But my point is... If Scotty had gone off, okay, um, if that was a street circuit, he would have hit the wall or yeah. whatever. The consequences of when you go off, um, I don't think that you're a. I don't think it's within the spirit of the rules. I think the rule was written to say that you can re-enter the track at turn nine, but I don't think you can hold your position as well. I just think you're allowed to. If you exit at yeah. five, you're allowed to make your way back to turn nine and hook That's down the road through the drive through and come back with a thick shake and keep racing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah okay cool <laughs> it was, look I mean I'll take my hat off to Scotty yeah. because I actually don't know if he thought that at the time or just had a gut feel 
but it was it is actually written in the the guidelines for that track so hats off to him for doing yeah. it i just not comfortable with it i just don't i'd hate to see you could argue that anyone could argue that todd in future if you know if you haven't got the right yeah. line through five and you think you're going to get past in the subsequent corners oh what, what's stopping you from going off at five and then get re- well, re-entering at nine again again i'm pretty sure it was bathurst um a couple of years ago there was this whole relinquish, relinquishing the spot mm. they sent three cars off yeah yeah <laughs> and okay i overall actually think it's a good idea but at the end of the day, they're race car drivers. Mm. Red Mist, you know. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. impressed Scotty did what he did, to tell you the truth. Yeah, 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 yeah certainly. And look, <laughs> and even Fabian as well. If you saw the incident, it was literally split second, really easy mistake to make. Uh, he probably didn't give Scotty... Uh, in retrospect, we could all say, we could all sit here and say, look, he made a bad mistake. I don't... It was a split second de- decision. Fabian hasn't given him probably the due real estate that he needed and uh, this is what's happened but uh, yeah. I, at the end of the day i really don't think um we can be chastising um them i just think the rules need to be tightened up uh, and unfortunately it's become the talking point of, of this race which is yeah. pretty sad the race was a very exciting uh, scotty won both races so he won on race one and he run one again on the sunday for race two and fabian came second on uh, on the sunday as well so it was great to see the djr cars back up there again um, Indy 500, Todd. Yeah. I think we need to probably talk. We we I, I looked at the numbers the other day, and we're getting a wider listener base from the US, actually. So yeah, that's great. That's on the increase. That, yeah. So Indy 500. We do do we do this in American accents? Oh, mine's terrible. So <laughs> I'm really a bother. Speaking of Australians with American accents, Lee Diffie. Remember Lee Diffie? I do. Yeah. Lee Diffie, we should start off with, I don't know why we're talking about the commentator, but hats off to Lee Diffie. He has become the first international broadcaster to broadcast what they call call by call for the Indy 500. So for those of you that are of my age would probably remember Lee Diffie from the 90s. I think he did a stint on RPM and on the, 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 um, when supercars were on uh, channel 10, that, that brief period there, well, sorry, that, they were on 10 they were on seven they went to 10 went back to seven and now back on 10 again but he was in that yeah that first reincarnation at 10 and um i think that's funny he may have done the odd f1 call back in the day for 10 i don't i can't verify that but yeah it was really wrong yeah <laughs> good good to hear lee diffie yeah. again and he's picked up quite an american accent don't you reckon yes <laughs> I was going to imperson- impersonate him, but I, I can't do it. I See, I, do it for me, I, I don't notice it, but I, mine, you know, you mentioned it. I watched a bit the other day and I went, yeah, hang on. You were <laughs> Australian once, <laughs> you know? So, anyway, look, just to cover off in the Indy 500 for all our US uh, listeners, um, I did see a fair bit of it, and I must admit, really impressed with the winner, Simon Pagano. Anyway, the last 13 laps, it was a real cat and mouse game between um, Simon Pagano and Alex Rossi. And if you watch the last lap, clearly these guys, there's there's a skill to indie racing on a, on a, on an on an indie on the indie oh, um, oval. I'm trying to say uh, amazing, amazing win by Simon Pagano. Showered himself with the milk, as we've become accustomed to. <laughs> last year's winner. Speaking of. Um, Winners there. Um, last year's winner, Will P- 
power didn't have the ideal race and it had a real closing spray for the officials um, when he was given a penalty and sent him back to the end the back of the grid um Will, I hate to say it, you did, you did actually hit your pit crew. Um, I've seen the replay of that a number of times. It's only minor, and the guy wasn't hurt at all. Yeah. Uh, but he did hit him. He's come in kind of sideways, um, a la Ricky Bobby. No, it wasn't that bad, actually, but he's he has hit his pit crew. Fair bit happening on the pit road. We saw Elio Castro Neves. Do you like the way I said that, Todd? That's not bad. Elio Castro Neves. He uh, hit Australian James Davison during the first phase of pit stops. That was actually quite bad. That 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 was that wasn't pretty. That and also Jordan King as well. He uh, he real well and truly hit his crew member. There was no doubt about this one. Yeah. Um, he actually sent the poor guy to hospital. So it's <laughs> so a lot happening in the pit lane. But at the end of the day, as I said, Simon Pagano got the bow tie back into the winner's circle. Chevrolet to the front. There you go. So, and Roger Penske, so Roger Penske is not the big Ford man that everyone, he's a Ford man, no doubt about it, but he also, he races what's necessary to race. So, it's great to see the, they were dominant, the Chevrolet. Um, Talking of, Pagano actually qualified first as well, got pole. Speaking of qualifying, Fernando Alonso, we're hoping to see him. Unable to make the field, um, did not qualify on the from the week before. They went to the final shootout. Yeah. He was in the bottom six where they only take three. Unfortunately, just missed out. So that was a bit of a shame to see our man Fernando Alonso not yeah. make it. All right, Todd, you want to give us a quick wrap-up of the, am I saying this right, Ernie Hasty Memorial Round from Collie? Yeah, I will. Um, this was on the same weekend of uh, Target Southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I mentioned in an earlier episode I was going to try and make multiple events that weekend. Yeah. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> but uh, had many friends competing down at Collie that if they weren't at Target Southwest, they were at Collie. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, basically, um, just covering off on the street cars and the Vs. There is, of course, more categories that run round Collie. Yep. But, yeah. Um, the main point was Collie's had another extension at the moment. Yeah. This was the opening for that extension. Yeah, it was. It? Yeah. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I have been told by multiple people racing on the weekend where it was, and I still don't think I'm getting it right. So, it's arguably... There was an extension done last year that was mm. off... Well, depending which way you call it, turn three or four, I believe. I, I would have thought it was. Hang on, oh, hang on. yeah, one, we're... one, two, yeah, yeah. You're right. Three. For those playing at home, Nick and I are doing hand signals and yeah. trying to work out a racetrack in our heads. That you know. Well, I've been I've been to college yeah. for the twenty four hours of lemons, and I think you're right. It was yeah. f- four, um, actually. And I think it kind of deviates off off that extra turn off there, if that mm. makes sense to people listening at home. Yeah. Okay. So it makes Collie in total a uh, 2.5 or nearly a 2.5k circuit, mm. which is only 100 metres short of Wanneroo, or 100 metres, as yeah. I've got in my notes. Which to me, Collie to me has always seemed like it was four times the length of Wanneroo. It does, doesn't it? It's funny you should um, say that because I have that perception of it as yeah, well. Yeah, I must admit, I have driven Collie only a few times. Mm. Um, and I actually can't wait to drive it again. It's actually yeah. on my list to get a car down there and try and drive it because it's gone from being a technical circuit to a technical circuit. Yeah, it's not easy. No, no it so... It doesn't um, appear to be as straightforward as... 
Yeah, Barbara there's lots sure. of twists and turns, and yeah, it's a bit of a drive down there, but it's it's a nice little track, and it's tucked away, and make a weekend of it, Todd. Yeah, you know, treat yourself. So, um, yeah, I mean, the main 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 people following is well, Denver Parker, who we've mm-hmm. on the show before, and yep. he's uh, lovely Landwell Racing Orange Thirty Three, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, he placed. Quite well, well, I fumbled through my notes. God, yeah, yeah, I'm just as bad, don't worry. Oh, you think I'll be prepared? I did, you know, write half this down. So, uh, yeah, Denver actually placed a clean sweep of first in the streetcar category okay. down there. Yep. So, um, yeah, he made special mention to all the track extensions and also said that the uh, the funny bit is he's actually 15 seconds slower a lap compared to Wanneroo, even though Collie is the shorter circuit. There you go. So that's, you know, there's a fair bit of but, uh, yeah. data there for us to consume. So, um, and uh, another person that we are endeavouring to have on the show very shortly was mm-hmm. uh, is Franz Estebau, who mm-hmm. was racing in the Formula Vs. Yep. And is racing a 1200V. Mm-hmm. He had a, oh, arguably a mixed results weekend mm-hmm. for himself. He has, I've been down there and actually watched him clean, um, clean sweep the whole, the whole series and take home the trophy. Yep. But um, issues with the car saw him sort of running around last in the first race, I believe. Hang on. All right. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I did not note down France's places in all three races Mm -hmm. correctly, which is my own fault. And I know France is actually starting to listen to the podcast, so I'm I'm real sorry. We've just lost a listener. Oh, no, I hope not. No, I'll do better, France, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) And to all the friends of France and myself. Yep. Yeah, you know that he'll tell me off, and then I will do better. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he had mixed results from the three races, and basically the last sort of, well, second last race where we had clutch issues, hmm. and then this continued into the last, the last race where he basically just took the car out, was running slow, it had issues, and he thought, do I pack it up or do I stay out? Hmm. He stayed out, persevered, came last, but this put him in a second overall for the whole weekend by putting points on the table yeah yeah that's the important thing Which about is motorsport a isn't good, it? yeah good point don't pack up your ball and go home unless you have to mm. yeah. <laughs> so yeah all right very good look we'll wrap this one up todd we're going a little bit over here but we'll wrap this one up um so yep uh, just a couple of closing events uh racing for nmdi uh it's uh, the inherited version of motor neurone disease. They're having a car show in Gwellup. Uh, I'll be part of that as well. That's on the 18th of August. We'll give you more details about that, but that's coming up shortly. So racing for Mindy is actually, but they call it Mindy. Um, but yeah, that's um, we're hoping to have a number of cars there. I'm hoping to have yours there, Todd, as well. It's after Targa West, don't say. You should, yeah. you should be. Well, yeah. It's well, after Targa West, Todd. It's after. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah. Be ready. Done. It'll just be on the trailer, have, you know. Would have had <laughs> would have had a whole race under it, a whole event under it. Oh, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> um, we've also got the WA Hot Rod and Street Machine Spectacular coming up on the 15th and 16th of June at Claremont Showgrounds. That's a great event to get to. Uh, and, of course... Winter Nationals, how can we forget this yep. at Willowbank Raceway? This is the 56th 
sorry, 52nd running of the event. Cannot wait for that. This is the grand final of the 400 Thunder. Yep. We will be crowning champions at this event. It's That runs from the 6th to the 9th of June, Willowbank Raceway. There's been a lot of promotion about it. And uh, we'll be letting you know what we're doing with Targa West. We had, And we really thank David Smith for yeah. coming on tonight as well. Thanks for coming in, Todd. No problem. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Yeah, see you on the street or hopefully see you at the track. See you at the track. Catch you, Todd. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.